0: Today, I have the honor of speaking about the fourth candle. It's called the angel's candle, or often referenced as the angel's candle. I think the spirit of this message really represents this, and that is peace is possible. Peace is possible. The angel's candle um, has been referred to as the candle of peace and goodwill to all people. And if I can think of any candle that you would light right now, it would be peace and goodwill to all people. I don't know what your prayers would be. I don't know what your candle lighting would be. But I think this is a strong one. Because right now, if I could light a candle that would solve all of the problems, I would be lighting it. I love what it says in the Gospel of Matthew 5 verses 9. It says, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. If you're going to make a choice about how you're going to spend your life, you can choose a lot of things, but I I want to choose to live my life as a peacemaker, not a troublemaker. (laughs) I did that at school. (laughs) I was very good at being a troublemaker at school, but I want to live my life as a peacemaker in life, bringing peace. Not division. And yet when you stand up publicly and acknowledge that you're a follower of Jesus, you know it's not going to be always well received. It's almost committing intellectual suicide in our part of the world. And yet, where are we going to draw our source from? Where are we going to get our hope from then? If it's not Him, then who? And today we're deeply vexed by what we see in politics. What we see with fragile instability in our economies and this is often what people build their lives on this is what people often look to and I think it makes sense that we can take a moment a time to really reconsider and ask ourselves the really deep questions that we need to keep asking ourselves as we move into the future but I really love that he said God blesses those who are working for peace we find ourselves in a profound moment in our human story Our world has hosted an increased population that is now over 8 billion people. We crossed over that threshold last year, 2022. So the planet has hosted over a billion human beings at one time. Is the earth struggling? Is the earth coping? It's a very interesting question. Almost 60% of this population are now living in urban centers around the world. So obviously the pressure is increasing on our urban centers. And I could go on and on and on about many things relating to that reality. But that is our reality and it's also the opportunities for to find solutions, to innovate and to create. But to make things better for people, not worse. Not for some, but for all if that is ever possible. We're facing disruption, uncertainty and adverse challenges. Many of us would know this. We're affected by our changing environments, fluctuations in the markets, interest rates, inflation, governmental policies and elections, war and hostilities, displacements, divisions, shortages in food, water, health care for the vulnerable. These are realities in the 21st century and yet 2,000 years ago Jesus said... You brought me water when I was thirsty. You brought me food when I was hungry. You brought me clothes when I was naked. You gave me shelter when I was exposed. And the disciples around him at the time said, when did we see you hungry? When did we see you vulnerable? When did we see you in these dispositions? And they said, if you do this to the least... If you do this to those who are struggling, who are hungry, who are vulnerable, you're doing it unto me. And we see clearly, Jesus identifies with the vulnerable, the oppressed, the marginalized, the forgotten, the downpressed and the downtrodden. And we find ourselves in the 21st century with these realities in different directions. We are forced to find new solutions, new treaties and to collaborate on new agreements when it comes to how we handle resources on the land, on, in the oceans, and in space. I really believe Christmas should remind us that peace is possible. Only two of the four Gospels give us details of Jesus' birth and brief details of His early years as a child. From Matthew And Luke's gospel, we understand that Jesus was born in a time of upheaval and unrest. So even his entry point into humanity was still problematic, difficult. It's not abstract, far removed and too distant. We can comprehend if we allow ourselves to realize that his entry point was also difficult and presented many challenges. Matthew's gospel shows an angel coming to Mary and Joseph, telling them of the birth of Jesus. Mary, you will have a child and his name will be Emmanuel. God is with us. He had to visit Joseph. The angel had to visit Joseph because they weren't married. So Joseph in his situation, you could imagine, you're pregnant? Use your imagination. There was an angel involved in helping Mary bring one of the greatest acts of love or the greatest act of rescue and restoration humanity will ever know. And yet Joseph needed reassurance that he is actually in the right place at the right time to the right person. I don't know what your story is, but an angel came in Matthew's gospel to people... Matthew's gospel shows the angel speaking hope into their situation. But Luke's gospel shows angel coming to the shepherds in a field, telling them of the birth of Christ. So we see a contrast between Matthew and Luke and we see a contrast in different types of people being communicated to. Matthew's gospel presents Jesus as a king, a new type of Moses coming to liberate his people. It was built on the backdrop of the Jewish story. So when Jesus is being announced in Matthew's gospel, it's built on the backdrop of a new Moses coming to liberate God's people. And we have to understand that that's why it was communicated that way. Luke represents Jesus as a new Samuel, a type of person who from childhood will live his life dedicated to God as a priest who cares for the broken and confronts the ruling class. Matthew shows Jesus receiving wise men and gold and precious spices. Luke shows the humble shepherds and Jesus being taken into the temple, representing a life dedicated to God and a priestly service to help others. Matthew and Luke cover both ends of the spectrum when it comes to the life of Christ. Deals with the knowns and the unknowns. Deals with the new Moses and Luke deals with the new Samuel, deals with the prominent and deals with the unseen, deals with the dramatic and then deals with the less dramatic. So both Gospels are not opposed to each other. They actually complement, but they're dealing with both sides of the spectrum. When we read our Gospels, we should be encouraged about what God is doing because He's saying through the King, And he's connecting in the realm where kings, King Herod was alive at the announcement of this and he was threatened by the announcement of the king. I think sometimes when we're the king of our own world, we could be threatened by the announcement of a real king who's the real king of our lives. When you think you're the king, you don't want to be told about another king. And so you can see this tension still connects in the 21st century. You're the boss. You don't want to be told you have a new boss. Thus, I'm the boss. I don't want anyone else to be the boss. And that's what's going on in this context. And yet in Luke's gospel, he goes for the unseen, shepherds in a field, humble shepherds, spectrum of kings, spectrum of humble beginnings. You see God at work profoundly from society that is monarchy and rulers and the Class and the prestige and the elites, and you see through Luke's gospel the rejected, the forgotten, the unseen, the less dramatic being included in the narrative of what Jesus coming into the earth represents, including all of those who rule and including all those who are dispossessed. See, those who rule can be threatened by the announcement of a new kingdom, but those who are vulnerable often rejoice to know that their hope can come. Because you want to say, hello, freedom, bye-bye slavery. That's why the people of the Ukraine have every right to fight for their future because freedom is better than slavery. And that would be true for any people. But this is what we need to understand that there is something going on when the angel is turning up and the angel represents the candle of peace. There's peace to this group and there's peace to this group. But I think this promise that comes through the prophet Isaiah, hundreds and hundreds of years before Christ actually came, and if we can read it, because it's been mentioned already through the story, and that is in Isaiah, it says this, For unto you, or unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. These will be the royal titles. Wonderful counsellor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This expanding, peaceful government will never end, and it will rule with perfect fairness and justice from the throne of his father David. He will bring just, true justice and peace to all the nations of the world. This is going to happen because the Lord of Heaven's hosts has dedicated himself to doing it. And so, if we can remind ourselves at this Christmas that peace is possible. The first thing that stands out is he's been given a royal title called Wonderful Counselor. This speaks of wisdom and perspective. Where do you go to get your wisdom and perspective? Many of us are on social media and we can Google anything today and we can Siri a lot of things and we are in the realm of AI and artificial intelligence at a level that we never thought about. But what we need to understand is where are you are going to go for your wisdom? Where are you going to go for your perspective? We can all see natural things, but can you see what God sees? Can, he, can you see what He sees for your life and your future? Can, he, can you see what He sees for the generations that are going to come out of your life? If you just see the moment, if you just see the now, it can paralyze you. It can limit you. It can, de- it can destabilize you. And you say, well, why bother? Why should I try? And in other words, you can give up so quickly when all you see is all you see. Give us the eyes to see what you see, God. Can we see the potential in humanity? Can we see the potential in the generations? Can we see the potential in cities and urban centers that are densely populated? Yes, we see the problems, but can we see the solutions? So I think we are in need of a wonderful counselor. And he's been given to us. And I believe peace will prevail when we take the counsel of a wonderful counselor. The second thing that stands out is mighty God speaks of strength and ability. Where do you go to get your strength? Where do you go to get your ability? We can get educational ability. We can get uh, achievement through our educational platforms and challenges. Our universities can empower us to a certain level. But at the end of the day, where's your strength going to come from when you're facing challenges? I don't find that I go to my, my educational background when I'm facing challenges with my family. They may help in some degrees, but I find when I'm under pressure, I've got to pull strength from my defaults that are already in me. We usually go back before we go forward when we face pressure. My question today is, if peace is possible, would we consider the strength and the ability that God brings into our lives? Your strength might be amazing, but it will run out. Even weary, young people can grow weary and slow down, and become paralyzed through anxiety. You get anxiety when you can't see the future. You live under a cloud, and you were never meant to live under the cloud. The sun always shines above the clouds. But what we got to remember is, it speaks of a mighty God, where He can be the source of our strength, and He can be the source of our ability. Amen. Well, I'm a shy person. Let God show you what He can do with a shy person. Well, I'm an introvert. You... Let me show you what God can do with an introverted person. Don't be so quick to label yourself. Just begin to realize the profound uniqueness of who you are. No one's a mistake. Everyone's profound. There is no one like you. No copies or clones. Only God can do that. Everyone wants to squeeze you into their mold, their interpretation, their definition, but let God's truth prevail in your life because that's where the freedom comes from. The third thing that stands out is everlasting Father. speaks of relationship in eternity. What relationship do you have that can lead you to eternity? There will be a day where we will cross over from this life to the next. There is something called eternity where we will live forever. And it's a profound thing to contemplate. And it's a profound thing to get a hold of and behold. Everlasting Father. Maybe your father wasn't the best. My father has passed away naturally, biologically. Many people don't know their biological father and yet we have access to a heavenly, everlasting father. You don't have to be paralyzed, limited, inhibited by not knowing your biological parents. You might not have a closer relationship and sometimes we remind ourselves, oh my goodness, I want it so bad. And yet God says, even if you haven't got it, I am able to give it. But where do you go to when it comes to your relationships that lead you to eternity? And the last point here that comes out of this text is he's the Prince of Peace. Speaks of restoration and wholeness. Where do you go to find peace that can bring you restoration and wholeness? I know people fly to lots of places around the world to get their restoration, to get their sense of sanity and peace. But at the end of the day, I don't think it's geography we're talking about here. Because if it was, it would have said Geography. I think it's talking about the Prince of Peace. It's talking about a person. Maybe your restoration. Maybe your healing. Maybe your wholeness is actually tied to a person, not a place. You can spend a lot of money to go to a lot of beautiful places around the world. I've had the privilege of going to some stunning, beautiful paradises around the world. Went with my wife to Fiji many years ago and I felt like a and God to heaven. Still have my wife next to me. It's amazing. But let me tell you, peace is not found in a place, it's found in a person. And that's why He's brought to us as the Prince of Peace. My question today at Christmas, would you allow yourself to re-tap new wells where your inspiration and your source comes from love, everlasting love, and eternal love, unconditional love? We don't do very well with conditional love, but we do much better When we are in an environment of unconditional love. And I believe that's God's promise for us. And I believe peace is possible when we let God and all that He is to us become a reality. And so if you need that kind of peace today. If you need that kind of transition, that transformation, that restoration. Maybe it is healing. Maybe it is to see better days. Maybe it is to unclutter, unlearn some things so you can learn new things. But whatever it is, we need community. We need friends and family. Viewing the world with slinty eyes doesn't get us into a good place. If you're going to observe the world, open your eyes and have a little bit like a child does, wide eyed and open, amen? That's the kind of openness that we need if we're going to move into better days. You know, we start off when we're young, wide eyes, wow, wow. And then we get older and our eyes somehow close up. And we begin to limit our ability to see, well, I believe Christmas is an opportunity to open our eyes up once again and see something you've never seen and to believe something that you always wanted to or deep down knew was something for you. But you don't have to be on your own anymore and you don't have to struggle and strive. His strength can come when you feel weak and His hope can sustain and be like an anchor to your soul in difficult times. But if we're going to be peacemakers peacemakers in land, we're going to need to know the peacemaker first. It's hard to be a peacemaker when you don't have peace. But get peace from Him. And then begin to live that peace into every area of society. Be a peacemaker in your community. Peacemaker in your family. A peacemaker in the schools, a peacemaker in the marketplace, a peacemaker in politics. If that is ever possible, then you've got to realize we need peacemakers everywhere. And that's what God came to do. He came as the Prince of Peace to empower us to be peacemakers in the land. And so let Christmas be about being a peacemaker. Not a troubled soul, but a healed soul, a transformed soul. Someone that knows how to bring peace in every area of our world.